Why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 23, and we're going to have fun. Um, I'm going to have fun, and you're going to be here for it. And so, um, <laughs> and so um, we started a series last weekend called Gospel. Gospel. And, and we talked about, I know sometimes that almost sounds a little antiquated. People have heard it. If you've been around church any time at all, you've heard this word gospel. And you've heard t- people say, preach the gospel, you know, those type of phrases. And I thought it'd be fun to do a series and talk about what the gospel really means, what it really is. And, and I talked about this last week, and I'll probably reference it all week long because, I mean, all series long, because it's, we're kind of introducing some, some different ideas maybe that really have been there a long time, but a lot of people have not heard of them. And, and I kind of made a statement last week that, that I was playing in a golf tournament, hit a great shot, but I hit it at the wrong flag. I'd never played the, the course before, and I thought we were hitting at that flag and then found out, no, we were actually supposed to be hitting at that flag, but I hit a great shot. But what I discovered was no matter how good of a shot you hit, if it's aimed at the wrong thing, it still doesn't produce the right result. And I think sometimes when we're talking about the gospel, um, I think that could be the case in, in some places. Um, and when, when we talk about the gospel, if I were to ask each of you to tell me what you believe the gospel to be, then, then probably for a lot of people, I would get something back like, well, Jesus came, he died for our sin, he rose again so that we could go to heaven. And, and, and that has been preached in Christendom for years, hundreds and hundreds of years, right? And, and it's, you know, I've, I've been in, in services and I've been in children's ministry in different churches, not this church, but different churches where they're like, hey, you got to get your ticket punched to heaven. You, this is the gospel that Jesus died and you can receive this ticket to heaven. And, and here's the problem with that. That's not actually what Jesus said. Like it's good religion, and, and it's not bad news necessarily. The word gospel we know actually means good news, right? And I don't like the word preach the gospel because when you really study the text, it's not preach. We make preach vocational so you think it's my job. And that's not the way Jesus set it up. The word preach is just to announce. And so he's just saying you got to go announce this message. And that's everyone's responsibility. It's not a vocational issue. But when we're talking about the gospel, it's good news. And when you say, well, you can die and go to heaven, that is good news when the other option is die and going to hell. You know, like, well, I, you know, so I think Forrest Gump said, I'm not a smart man, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> you know, so anyways, um, and so, so it is. But, but what we started looking at last week was what did Jesus actually preach about? Because Jesus starts his ministry, his public ministry, his preaching ministry, we see it. Um, in Matthew chapter four, and it says that, that he went about preaching and he was saying, Matthew four seventeen. he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then two, three, four, five verses later in verse 23, it says, and he went to all, all, all throughout the land essentially. And it says he proclaimed the gospel. So very important. Here's our word gospel. He proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. So it said, essentially, you could say it this way. He was announcing good news, and the good news that Jesus announced was that there was a kingdom here. 
And so that's a little bit different because Jesus didn't go around saying, hey, I need everybody to know that I'm Jesus and I'm going to die. And I'm going to die so that you can go to heaven. That, that wasn't the message he ever preached, but, but he, he went around preaching. In fact, Luke um, 4, verse 43, in Luke 4, he also starts his ministry. So Matthew 4, Luke 4, uh, they're not always that paralleled, but in this case, same chapter theoretically. And so it says this, but he said, I must preach the good news, look at that, of the kingdom. I must preach the good news of the kingdom to all these towns, but look at this. He says, for I was sent for this purpose. I was sent for this purpose. What, what was the purpose I was sent for? I, I, was, I was sent to proclaim the good news that there's a kingdom here. Why is there a kingdom here? Because the king's here. Yes. Right? There wasn't a kingdom here, right? Because man fell, and I mean, there was the kingdom of the world. There actually was kingdom of darkness, and we were all born in the kingdom of darkness. That's why we had to be born again into the kingdom of his son, right? And so what Jesus said essentially is there's a new kingdom here. There's, there's a new kingdom here. So there's one, follow this if you will, there's one earth and there are two kingdoms. One has all authority and one's still got a little bit of power. Right? Right? Because the kingdom of darkness has some power. We see it every day, but it doesn't actually have authority. And authority always trumps power. Right? And so Jesus went about preaching this message of the kingdom, and he said, this is the reason I was sent. Now, here's, here's where it comes down to, to church, and here's where it's going to get a little sticky for us moving forward. Um, religion and kingdom do not function well together. And most of Christendom has been classified as a religion, and we have been taught religiosity in the name of God. And there is a way religion thinks, and there is a way kings think. So I want to buckle up, <laughs> buttercup. So anyways, <laughs> because, um, see, and, and here's where the confusion comes in, because in the Old Testament, when we look and we think about religion, religion is sacred places, sacred text, sacred people, sacred rituals, right? Well, we sing out of this hymn, Right? And so, so when we look at the Old Testament, we have some sacred people. We have priests. We have sacred places, tabernacle, temple. We have sacred rituals, sacrifices, all of those things. We have sacred texts like the, the law and the prophets. And, and so it looks really religious, but Jesus changed everything. And, and if we don't understand that Jesus changed everything, we're going to keep trying to stick a kingdom in religion. Or get a kingdom out of religion and they don't work. In fact, Jesus says this in, in uh, Luke 16, 16. It's kind of a cool verse. He says, the law and the prophets were until John. That would be John the Baptist. The law and the prophets were until John. In other words, Jesus said there was a time and a place for the law and, and the prophets up until John. John was the last Old Testament prophet and he was the greatest of all the prophets according to to Jesus and he was the prophet that said I am just making a way so that you'll hear this guy so so John was a transition in other words law and the prophets up until John since then in other words something changed right something changed law and the prophets till John but since then the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces their way into it here's what he said 
The law and the prophets were up until John, but then the Messiah comes. And the Messiah is not bringing the religion of God. He is bringing the kingdom of God. He is not proclaiming the good news of a religion. He's proclaiming the good news that there is a kingdom. There is an authority and a power and a solution and a provision and a mission now here. And so I, I call this message losing my religion because I hope that's what we'll all do. And so in Matthew 23, Jesus starts diving into um, this idea and he's, he's kind of confronting religion and he gives these themes that are different with kingdom and religion. And, and I've said it many times, Jesus thought religious, religion sucked. It's, his words are actually going to be more harsh. We're going to read them in just a minute because you're like, oh my God, Ethel, did he say that? I, I did, but Jesus is, he, what he says is worse. So just buckle in. All right. And so Matthew 23, he starts out, then Jesus um, said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. Watch this. But don't follow their example because they don't actually do what they tell you to do. Welcome to religion. Someone asked me one time, said, Pastor, was you tell, were you telling the truth or were you just preaching? I said, I was just preaching. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> just kidding. It says, for, for they don't practice what they teach. Verse 4, watch. They crush people with unbearable religious demands, but they never lift a finger to ease their burden. This is all about religion, right? Verse 5, everything they do is for show. I met some of those people. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes and scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. They love to sit at the head of the banquet tables and the seats of honor in the synagogues, and they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces, and they love to be called rabbi, but don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you only have one teacher, and watch this crazy concept. This is a kingdom concept, not a religion concept. All of you are equal as brothers and sisters, no sacred people. There's no sacred people. Like The only difference between me and you is I'm good at talking. <laughs> Honestly. Like, you got really awesome gifts. Some of you are amazing at some of the things you do. God looked at me and said, all he can really do is talk. I'll make him a preacher. And so, bless his heart. And so anyways, bless his heart was something my grandmother, did anybody have a grandmother that had bless your heart? That kind of meant, oh, God love it. That was the other thing, like Jesus. Yeah, anyways, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, don't let anyone. That was kind of like the just saying of their generation. You know, like, your baby's ugly, just saying. But, but in their generation, they were nicer. They'd say, oh, look at that baby, bless its heart. Anyways, <laughs> you know, I'm telling you the truth, right? Anyways, that has nothing to do with religion, but made me think of my grandmother. Anyways, it says, don't let anyone call you rabbi. You only have one teacher. You're all equals as brothers and sisters, Verse nine, and don't address anyone here on earth as father for only God in heaven is your spiritual father. Like he is really tearing down all these religious practices that they've been taught. And don't let anyone call you teacher for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be your servant. That's another crazy idea in the religion that they had at that time, right? I mean, even now we have some pastors that somebody has to carry their Bible up for them. You ever been to one of those? Like, one of those three guys got a, well, they got his Bible and his towel and his water. I just got an iPad. It doesn't even weigh one pound. If I can't carry that, y'all need to pray for me. 
But those who exalt themselves must be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Watch this, verse 13. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites? For, now, this is a key verse right here. Watch what religion does. For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven. I'm telling you, religion and kingdom are mutually exclusive ideas. You shut the door to the kingdom of heaven, that would also be the kingdom of God, in people's faces. And you won't go in yourselves and you don't let others go in. One more verse, just for fun. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the law, religious Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross the land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell as you are yourselves. <laughs> so anyway, you just drop the mic. Actually, it keeps on going. It gets worse. It goes downhill from there. Um, so, so this is Jesus addressing religion. So when, when we have to file as a religious institution, this is why my skin crawls. Our religious organization. Because religion shuts the door to kingdom, which was the message that Jesus preached. And so I just thought it'd be fun if we, if we took some time and um, contrasted the idea of religion and kingdom so we could see what some of the differences are. Don't you think that'd be fun? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Number one, <laughs> number one, religion is founded on works. The kingdom is founded on grace. Um, you cannot, you cannot benefit from the kingdom until you understand grace. Until you understand that Jesus did the work and you can't do the work. Until you understand that Jesus paid the bill and you can't pay the bill. Until you understand that grace means you don't earn it, but you do have to receive it. Then, then, then you, can't, you can't really benefit from the kingdom. And here's why. Because religion is focused on earning this is why to me, Christianity is not a religion. Religion is, religion is focused on doing the things necessary to appease a deity. It's actually man's pursuit of a deity. But when you study the Bible, that's not what you see. You don't see man's pursuit. In fact, you see man running away from God and God chasing him. Have you ever read the book of Judges? Like, and they worshiped the Lord their God. And then a new generation was raised up that didn't know him. And they went nuts. Right? Like Moses goes, I mean, literally Moses delivers them from Egypt and this isn't even a new generation. This is the same guys that just got delivered. He's on the mountain too long. He comes down. They're all naked dancing around a golden cow. It's in your Bible. Right? So, so, so religion is our pursuit of a deity, but, but Christianity, what we see in the Bible is God's pursuit of us. Christian, religion is we do all the right things to earn favor from God, but what we see in the Bible is Jesus did all of the work so he could bestow favor on us. They're, 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 they're not the same thing, right? And so what, what the religious teachers of the day, they would teach you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to act this way and you can't touch this. In fact, they had 640 something laws that you had to keep so God would be happy with you. Like most of us struggle with 10, right? Like some of us struggle just with Paul, what Paul said, be angry and sin not. Man, I'm working on that. I'm working, but they cut me off again, Jesus. And then I waved at them and I didn't use all my fingers, Jesus. 
Like we're working on 10, right? Man, 640 things you have to do to keep God happy. <laughs> Isn't it weird that what we do somehow controls his mood? Who's God? Luke 12, 32. <laughs> Luke 12, 32, this is what Jesus says, Fear not, little, little flock. Watch this. For it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. Here's the thing. You cannot earn the kingdom of God. You can't earn your way in and you can't earn anything it offers. But you can receive it. God will not let you earn it, but he will give it to you. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is not of works, lest anyone should boast. When we get to heaven, we will not sing how great I am. Are you with me? It is by grace, through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift. You cannot earn a gift. You do not have to pay back a gift, but you can receive a gift. And until you understand that your relationship with God is given to you by his grace and maintained by his grace, you will never be able to benefit from his kingdom. Because if we think we maintain our relationship with God, and yes, listen, I'm not saying you can live however you want. That's stupid. That's not grace. That's apostasy. Right? Like for those people like, well, I'm covered by grace and we're trying to see how close we can get to the world and still be in the kingdom. Like get Tinder off your phone. Right? Because that's actually legalism. We're saying we're covered by grace, then we're being legalistic in our approach. Because, um, I don't know if you know this, but grace demands everything. It's free, it just costs everything. Because in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, under religion, you just had to offer your sacrifice. In the New Testament, you are the sacrifice. Yes, that's right. Right? Right. We're living sacrifices that are supposed to live pleasing to him. It's all by grace. We, didn't, we don't earn it. You see what I'm saying? There, like there's this holy balance here that we have to live in to understand that we are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. We're saved for a purpose, but we're not saved by that, that our relationship with God is maintained by Jesus. It was provided by Jesus. He is the door. He's the way into the kingdom. The only way into the kingdom is grace. And as long as you want to earn it, you'll never be in the kingdom. See, Jesus literally changed everything. He told the, the religious people who believed they would be righteous by what they did. John 8, 824, he said, I told you, you would die in your sins. This is what he's telling the religious people who think they're righteous because they keep the law. I told you, you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. In other words, how, how do you get in the kingdom? You believe it's faith, his grace, your faith, his grace by grace through faith, his grace, your faith. You don't earn it. You believe your way into the kingdom. 
right? You don't earn it. You believe your way in. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness, this is another thing he said to, to, to everyone, but he kind of burnt the Pharisees on this one. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. And everybody's like, how is that even possible? And what he's saying is, here's how it's possible. Paul said it this way. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we would become the righteous of God in Christ. It's not possible in and of ourselves. That was his point. You can't earn it. You have to receive it. You don't earn your way into any of the blessings of God. You receive them. It comes through and only and by his grace. In fact, Luke chapter 4, Jesus proclaims, you know, he starts his, his message, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's actually reading from Isaiah, but he says, he sent me to proclaim the time of God's favor. See, in a religion, favor is earned. In a kingdom, favor is bestowed. You don't, you don't earn favor in a kingdom, it's bestowed. So, so in a religion, I am working for favor. In a kingdom, I am living from the favor of the king. That's why I can say I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. I, he, my God shall supply all of my needs. Why? Because I'm living from favor. See, if I have to earn it, God may or may not supply it because I may, may, may or may not be good enough. So in a kingdom, it's, it's all about works. In a kingdom, favor isn't earned, it's bestowed. Look at this verse, just so you can see. I love all the alls. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. It says, and God is able to make all grace, that's favor, unmerited favor, if you will, all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Does this sound like works? Or does this sound like grace to you? Right? Because it didn't say God is able if you do all these things. And by the word, able actually is more active. It's not just he has ability, but he is pouring out. And God is able to make all grace abound, all, all things, all times. Why? So that you may abound in every good work. Not saved by works, save for works. You got to understand the difference. Not saved by works, save for works. So God has actually bestowed grace so I can do what he's called me to do. He's not asking me to do what he's called me to do so that he might be gracious to me. He's been gracious to me so I can do what he's called me to do. Right? So, so religion is based on works and a kingdom is based on grace. Number two, religion institutes practices. The kingdom confers power. Um, the, there's the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees. These were people Jesus had problems with because they were all religious. The Pharisees were not a religious group. I mean, not a, not a political group at all. They had no real power. They were more a movement of, of people that wanted to see everyone come back to the ritualistic purity of the law. So they're like, we want everybody to keep the law because we're trying to get everybody to, you know, back to this pure, purified state of law keeping as though... <laughs> as though the law could make you pure. But anyways, that's what they believed. The scribes, they, were, they had a lot more influence. They were very educated. They were the people that would transcribe scripture, right? They were the writers, those type of things, kind of notaries and, and a little bit more clout than that. And then the Sadducees were the political power. 
right? And they were just as religious. They were just different than the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed in the law and the prophets, and the Sadducees only believed in the Torah or the law or the first five books of the Bible. And, and because of that, if you want an easy way to remember it, they didn't believe in the resurrection because that's not in the first five books of the Bible. And so they were sad, you see, because there was no resurrection, right? So if you want to remember that, that's why they were sad, you see. They were sad, you sees, um, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so Jesus would address them all the time about their practices. In fact, in Matthew 23, he gets on this issue of tithing. Ugh. Ethel get you purse. Um, <laughs> he gets on this issue of tithing. What he says is really interesting because he says, you guys, because they would brag, they would say, we tithe all the way down to our spice rack. Like, I don't know if you've ever measured out a tenth of cumin <laughs> or some dill. <laughs> but that's what they're saying. They're like, we tithe. And, and here's what Jesus said. You, you should tithe. Like, big deal, I'm not really impressed. You, you should tithe because you have a Lord. That's what he basically says. But then he says, but you're missing the justice and the mercy. In other words, here's what he's saying. You're doing the practices, but nothing changed in here. And the practices, yeah, there, there's some benefit there, but they, it needs to come from here. And so what he's trying to tell them is, hey, religion only offers you rituals. In fact, the danger of religion is it can make you look good on the outside while being dead on the inside. In fact, I think Jesus said that to him in Matthew 23. He said, you look like whitewashed, we could say this, well-painted tombs. Pretty, your tomb has good landscaping. It's got beautiful paint. There's great artwork. But inside a tomb is still dead bones. And pretty much that's the danger to me of religion is because there is no power for transformation. Religion is focused on getting everybody to look the same way, to have the same dress code, to, to have the same verbiage. Religion is focused on making sure if I do a devotion, I post it on Instagram. Because it's about, <laughs> I don't know where I get some of this stuff. But anyways, it's about, it's about doing the rituals to look good on the outside. And the kingdom is more about power, power and transformation and power to do what we're called. See, religion tells you what to do, gives you no power to do it. Right? But, but this kingdom had all this power in it. In fact, Jesus said this in um, Luke chapter 10. I'm sorry. I want a different verse. Yeah. Matthew 12, verse 28, Jesus said this. He cast out this demon. He says, it's, if it's by, it, but if it's by the Spirit of God, because they called him a demon. And he said, but if it's by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, watch this, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, this kingdom has power. Right? This is, this is the, the major difference in religion and what Jesus does. Because Jesus, his work purified us so that the presence of God, the Spirit of God, can actually dwell within us. And now we're the sacred places. Right? The only thing sacred about this building is you're in it. Right? 
Other than that, it's just some concrete, sheetrock, a lot of wires, you know, that kind of stuff. But what makes it sacred is you're in it because there's no place more sacred than you because you house the presence of God. Right? Which is why we actually become, we're in the kingdom, but the kingdom's in us. Right? The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where's the kingdom of God? In the Holy Spirit. And so what Jesus said, if I cast out demons, what? By the Spirit, the enforcer of the kingdom. Then the kingdom of God is here. Are you with me? And so, and, so, and so this kingdom is full of power. And that's why in Luke 10, 19, he said, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. See, there's a difference. The enemy has some power. I mean, look at the world today. He has some power. He's having a really good time in some areas, right? He has some power. But Jesus said, I have all authority and I've given you all authority. Authority trumps power. This is why we can literally take ground away from the enemy. Yes. One earth, two kingdoms. One has some power. One has all authority. Yes. Are you with me? Yes. And so religion is all about <clears throat> these practices, but the kingdom is about power. That's why Jesus said, before you go, right, before you go into all the world, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait until you're endued with power from on high. Right? So rituals versus power. Here's the next one. Religion makes converts. The kingdom produces citizens. There's a difference. Matthew 23, 15. This is my favorite verse, I think. It said, What do you teach the law of Pharisees and hypocrites? You travel land and sea to win a single convert. And if you succeed, you make them twice as much the child of hell as you are. Here's what he's saying. Converts, this is all about getting people to act a certain way. Right? This is, this is about <clears throat> getting people to behave a certain way, to, to believe a certain way. Um, I, I remember, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but I was raised as part of a denomination, and whenever we would travel, we always went to the, a church that was that denomination. You know the most amazing thing? It was just like our church, no matter where we were. Like, it, they sang the same songs. They had some of the same people. They had the lady with the big hair, and they had the lady with too much makeup, and then they had the lady with not enough, and then, and then they had the guy, right? And then they had the people that would shout the same things, and, and, I, and then they sang the same songs, and then the preacher preached the same terrible message. It was amazing. Because we were all converts. Because religion's looking for followers, too. See, religion is something you do. Kingdom is who you are. This is the big difference. Religion will teach you what to do. Well, we're at church. This is what we do. This is what we say. This is what we wear. This is what we act like. But, but kingdom teaches you actually who you are. Um, the problem is, see, in, in religion, if we get too religious in church, and I've seen this, when, when we make our convictions other people's requirements... We're not teaching them to follow Jesus. We're teaching them to follow us. Right? I think Paul said it this way. You, you and Jesus need to figure out your salvation. Work out your own salvation. By the way, because I've had people say, well, I'm at the club because I'm working out my own salvation. No, no, no. You know, you're being dumb. 
working out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's the most valuable thing you have. Your relationship with God is the most valuable thing you have. And, and you don't try to see how close you can get to stuff and still have it. You get away from anything that threatens it. Work out your own salvation. But, but, but that, that was the idea is that, that it's something that we do. We're not giving our convictions to other people. We're giving the teaching. He didn't say go into all the world and tell them what you're convicted about. Go into all the world and teach them to follow me. Teach them the kingdom. Um, the problem with, with religion is it's externally focused, but the kingdom restores who we are. John 1.12 says that as many as received him, so how do we receive him? Who believed in his name, so there's faith, his grace, our faith, right? He gave, look at this, the right. I love that word. I love this version. He gave the right to become children of God, right? That is identity. Children, father, DNA, this is identity. You see what I'm saying? He gave us the right. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He transforms us, right? Romans 8 said he, he didn't give us a spirit of bondage again unto fear, but he gave us a spirit of adoption, identity, whereby we cry, hey, you're our father and his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children of God, then we're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with Christ. The kingdom is all about who we are while religion is just focused on what they need us to do so they'll feel better. In the kingdom, because we're citizens, in fact, Paul says it this way, Philippians 1.27, he said, above all, in other words, this is a pretty high priority, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Live as citizens of heaven, right? And so here we are. We, we, are, we are in the earth. This is why it says we, we're in the earth, but we're not of the earth, because we're not of this world. We're of this kingdom. So our citizenship, just like people who had, remember one time they beat Paul because they didn't know he was a Roman citizen. And then he said, wait a second, you beat me without a trial and I'm a Roman citizen. And they were like, oh, stink. Right? Because what he said, I have rights because I'm a Roman citizen. I think if you'll study that, you'll find he wasn't in Rome, but he was a Roman citizen and he was in a colony of Rome, which was outside of Rome. So we're in a colony of earth, but we are heaven citizens. And so we, we are in this world, but, but we're not. Here's the great thing. We don't have to yield to the laws of the kingdom of this world. Now, I'm not saying don't pay your taxes. That's not what I'm saying. That's don't, uh-uh, don't be tweeting that. What I'm saying is the laws of death and poverty and sin and disease are not what we're under. We're under the laws of life and peace and prosperity and joy. That's the law that we're under. That's the rule that we're under. And if you don't understand, wait, I am under this government and not that government, you'll live life based on the laws of that government when you had access to everything this government offers you. I have the right to prosper. Above all, I wish you prosper right? He gives you the power to gain wealth. He will increase you more and more, you and your children. I have a right to prosper. Whether I have a job or not, I have a right to prosper. Right? I, have a, I have a right to health. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not what? The benefits of a kingdom citizen. 
who forgives all of my iniquity and heals all of my diseases. I have a right to be in hell. I have a right to a sound mind because it said he has, he has freed me from the spirit of timidity and fear and given me a sound mind. I have a right to peace. He said, I give you peace. Not as the world gives peace. I give peace because I am peace. My kingdom is a kingdom of peace. It's the fabric of my kingdom. And I can actually offer you peace that's not based on circumstance. Those are kingdom rights. That's good preaching. <laughs> Here's the fourth thing, number four. Um, I like to, that we could hang out there. But, but do you understand what I'm saying? Look, do you know the crazy thing is that if I'm in another country, I still have certain rights as an American? Right? You, you have all the rights of a kingdom citizen. It do, you don't have to be in heaven to exercise them because this is a colony. Who has authority here? Heaven. Right? All right, number four. Religion thrives through conformity. The, the kingdom thrives through unity. Religion's all about trying to get everybody in the same box, acting the same way. You know it's true. Right? Because it makes us all feel better. And we need everybody to believe the same thing and to think the same way and to act the same. Right? And this has been the struggle with religion all the time. But here's the problem. The kingdom doesn't, the kingdom doesn't work through conformity. It works through unity. Yeah. And you can't have unity without diversity. Right. When you take away diversity, there's no chance at unity. Because unity says we're different but the same. Yes. Yes. You see what I'm saying? And that's why, like, when, when we hear you go through first step, we, there's things we believe. There's things I believe that I hold dear I believe God can heal our body. I believe God will heal our bodies. But you know, we had a person in our church one time say, I just don't believe in that. Am I still allowed to come here? I'm like, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, we're not going to put you in charge of the prayer ministry, but absolutely, you can, you can come. Because there's some essential beliefs, and then there are some that we, us, we're, we're working out on, on our own, right? Like, and, and, and the problem is, in religions, we start focusing on what makes us different. Well, they this and we don't that. Well, you know, they, they, they drink a little over there. We don't. We don't ever touch it. Because we want to make sure we can condemn everybody ever has. <laughs> a guy in our church uh, went to a particular domination and he, he said, uh, he asked me one time, he said, Preacher, you have a Baptist refrigerator. And I said, I don't guess I know what that is. He said, that's, that's the one in the garage where you keep the beer. <laughs> don't get mad at me. It's his joke. <laughs> I don't know if it's real or not, but it was funny. And he had some jokes. He asked me, he said, in the denomination you were in, you know, what were y'all? I said, oh, Lord, we didn't joke about that. Because you weren't allowed to do any, we weren't even allowed to think about it. And he's like, well, why not? I said, because we want to make sure we could preach against everybody who ever thought about it. <laughs> that was our focus. <laughs> but the kingdom, that's why we focus really, we say, hey, here's four things that almost, we believe any follower of Jesus is going to come to these four things if nothing else. Number one, you have to be born again. 
That's what Jesus said. That's not church lingo. That's Jesus lingo. John chapter 3. Number two, Jesus is the Son of God. No way around that. He's the only way to the Father. That's what he said. That's what everybody said, right? <laughs> number, number four, or number three, the Bible is the Word of God. I believe all of it. Table of contents, concordance, right? The maps. I believe all of it. You can't take any part of it out. You got to take all of it. Right? When people start saying, well, this scripture here doesn't mean that, and we're going to pull that. Okay, well, turn to Revelation, because it says, if I add in or take out, I burn in hell. For me, I'm just going to take it as Jesus said. I'm gonna, I, here's my crazy assumption. I think God knew what he wanted to say. And number four, the Holy Spirit is in us and with us. And I think if, no matter what denomination, no matter what affiliation, what background, those four things work across the board. And we say, what if we focus on those four things? Let's just focus on those four things and not try to be, well, this is what makes us different than them. This is what makes us different than them. No, no, no. What if we're all the same? We we're born again people who believe Jesus is the Son of God, who believe the Bible is the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit we know is with us and in us and leading us through this adventure we call life, right? Here's, here's the last thing. Religion focuses on gathering. The kingdom focuses on conquering. Um, this one gets a little tricky, so hang on. Pharisees are called, because you're like, well, I'm at a gathering. Let me explain. Pharisees were, the, the name Pharisee actually came from the idea of separated ones. That's what the word Pharisee actually means, separated ones. And so they were the people that stepped back and said, we can't be near that, and we can't touch that, and we can't hang out with you, and we can't talk to you, and y'all got to keep your space because we are pure, Right? And so then they, they were focused on these pure gatherings where nobody who had ever messed up was allowed to come in those gatherings. And so they were focused on all these different rituals and gatherings. But see, the kingdom emphasizes something different because the, the kingdom doesn't emphasize the gathering. It emphasizes the, the sending. Now, this is what you need to understand. The disciples gathered daily to pray. Right? They gathered not only the, the, the temple, they gathered, they went from house to house gathering. The Bible tells us we, we should not forsake gathering. But the difference is, what is the end and what is the means to the end? In religion, the gathering is the end. Right, The only purpose is to gather. We need to gather and do our religious duty and do our religious thing so that we can feel better, so that God can feel better, and we have gathered. Right? That's why people, well, I came last Easter. You, know, it's like, you got it. That is good. Praise God for that. But, but the problem is you've been taught to think the gathering is the end when it's the means to the end. The kingdom said you gather so you can be sent. It said they gathered and prayed, and then Paul, and then God said, or the Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them to. They had to gather for the Holy Spirit to speak so they could be sent. And so we have gatherings every week where we're, we're, we're equipped, we're encouraged, where we're in God's presence, we're around his people, but this isn't the end. This is the beginning of what's going to happen this week as we're sent to announce the kingdom. So you got to know the difference. The problem is when religion teaches us that the end is the gather, gathering, because I thought this for years. Well, how's that church, man? Like, I mean, we were at church, even they weren't even having church. I ain't lying. 
Somebody said they're washing the windows or the organist was going to practice. We showed up, got in our pew saying, just as I am. Because we were gathering and that's good, but it's not the end. It's the means to the end. And religion teaches us the gathering is the point and it has a purpose, but the point is to be sent into all the world. See, see the Pharisees religion says we got to, we got to be separate from everybody. So we gather to be separate. The king said, no, we gather to be sent because now Jesus changed everything, right? Because it used to be being holy was being separate from, right? And Jesus said, no, now holy is a part of. In fact, he started a movement when he said he became flesh and dwelt among us. There's no one more holy than him, but he didn't stay on the other side of the universe. He made his home with us. That's New Testament holiness being a part of, going into. So the gathering is where we come gather, built up so we can go. That's why 90% of the ministry of this church should happen outside of the walls. If we're really doing kingdom, because this is what he said, uh, Matthew 10, verse seven, he says, as you go, as you go, not as you gather, Although we know he gathered, right? Jesus was the first life group leader. He had 12 men. One of them was a devil. So don't tell me you can't be in your life group because you don't like somebody in it. Is Judas in your group? <laughs> if so, wash his feet. Ooh. That was good. I got to remember that one right there. I'll make a note. Good sermon. Is Judas in your group? If so, watch this. <laughs> well, look, he said, as you go, preach. And what do we preach? What do we preach? The kingdom of heaven is here. And what happens when we preach Jesus' message? Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise. Notice he didn't say, pray for me to heal the sick. Did y'all notice that's not here? He'll say, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out. Well, I don't know what God's called me to do. I don't know if God's called me to be married or single. Well, I, do you want to be married or do you want to? Well, I'd like to be married. Great. Get married. And as you go, preach <laughs> the kingdom. <laughs> Heal the sick, cleanse. Well, I don't know if I should be a lawyer or a teacher. Well, what do you like doing? Wiping snotty noses or arguing with people? I like arguing with people. Great, be an attorney, and as you go, <laughs> preach the gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise like let's not make this complicated. Because the kingdom is all about going, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the good news? That there is a kingdom that has all authority. There is a kingdom here that has a solution for whatever you're dealing with. And it has the power to provide that solution. And it has a mission to give you purpose and to call you into it. Religion does not offer those things. The kingdom does. And so as you go and you see someone who is broken, you say, man, I'm a part of a kingdom. And this kingdom has the solution to your brokenness, right? And as you go and you see someone and their health is, hey, your health is bad. That's okay. I'm here because the kingdom's here because the presence is here. And this kingdom has authority and power to address what's broken in your body. Oh, our marriage is bad. Our relationship, that's okay. Good news. 
Because the kingdom is here and the presence is here. And the Bible says this presence is the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's the best marriage counselor you're ever going to meet. And this kingdom has authority to heal your relationships, to heal your emotions. And go on. Well, you know, we're, we're really struggling. That's okay. The kingdom is here. And the kingdom is a kingdom of prosperity. See, this is a message that has the power to bring hope. Because we're not telling people, hey, I know it sucks, but guess what? If you'll pray this prayer, you can die and then go to heaven. And everything's going to be happy over there. Well, I'm here. Great, because there's a kingdom here. It's not there's a religion there. There's a kingdom here. Right? You have to understand this idea of kingdom because it is the message that Jesus preached. And it's the reason why I think Jesus got the results that he got. Are you with me? And I wonder what would happen if we thought the same way and preached the same thing. Would we see some of the same things that all of us desire to see in our own families, in our own lives, among our own friends? I think we will. Right? He said, up until John the law and the prophets, but now the good news of the kingdom. Why don't you stand with me?